It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackReport.com, part of the Scout.com Network which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and Android app. And please check out the rest of the great Locked On podcast network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On NFL Draft. And please, of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. I am doing free agent breakdowns uh, one by one. Yesterday I did Eddie Lacy and Kristen Michael. And we'll have full coverage of Mike McCarthy's season-ending press conference later today. And for today's show, we're going to do exactly what we did yesterday when we had offensive MVP and then a breakdown of the offensive free agents. Today it'll be defense. Defensive MVP, defensive free agents, and the MVP of the defense would be a very coveted award. A major award. Kind of like on a, a Christmas story. But the winner of this story does not receive a light lamp. In fact, he will receive absolutely nothing... But the winner is Mike Daniels. Shocker, right? One of the top, I don't know, 8, 10 defensive tackles in the league. Daniels, 44 tackles, 4 sacks, 3rd on the team, according to the coach's count, with fifth, or excuse me, with 14 quarterback hits. Um, he ranks 2nd among the D-linemen in tackles. Uh, the Troy Guyon had 50. But Daniels is a 3-down is a player. You know, he was an anchor of one of the top-run defenses in the league for most of the season. And then, then he's able to, unlike Guyon, he's able to transition and, and make an impact in the passing game. So a, a strong year from Mike Daniels, again. The runner-up for the ward? You probably can guess this one. Ha, Clinton Dix. Going to the Pro Bowl. Five interceptions to pace the team. I thought he ran hot and cold production-wise, you know, some of that, I think, is just part of playing safety where you're going to make some plays one week, you're not going to make plays another week. It all depends on where the quarterback throws the ball. And I mean, look, if you're doing your job, especially in the secondary, if you're doing your job, you might not see the ball very often. So I will admit that for a guy like me, it's sometimes it's hard to tell if a player has, is not doing much or if he's, do, if he's doing such a good job that statistically he's not doing much. But this is why, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back here because I don't often get things right. As you remember, my weekly game predictions will vouch for that. But I did predict that Clinton Dix and Jared Cook would be Pro Bowl players this year. And I think Cook certainly played like one, and Clinton Dix was one. Stronger for him, and he is, you know, this is a defense that is terrible for the most part. And he's got to be one of the building blocks. And he, I mean, not got to be, but he is one of the building blocks of that unit, along with Daniels of young guys who need to be leaders for what I assume is going to be a 
defense is going to have a, a bit of a personnel shakeup this offseason. So you know, he was a voted a playoff captain, and I, uh, he's just got to be he's got to be the guy in that secondary for the next I don't know three, four, five years. He's got to he's got to be big for this defense to get over the hump. All right, into my free agent breakdown on the defensive side, we have got six guys, three outside linebackers, three of the top four: Nick Perry. Julius Peppers, Dayton Jones. Defensive back Micah Hyde is your fourth unrestricted free agent. And then outside linebacker J. Rohn Elliott and inside linebacker Jordan Tripp are restricted free agents. Perry is... They've got some decisions to make here. Perry's one of their best players. He's always hurt. He's always had... It's, it's been the story of his career, and he was... This year he missed two games with a broken hand. It's the second time he's had a broken hand. Look, it's, it seems like a freak injury. I don't know how much you weigh stuff like that. But Perry, a very, very good year. Seventh on the team with 60 tackles. Um, by far the most of them, I mean, geez. Among the outside linebackers, Julius Peppers was next to 30. So he had twice as many tackles as any other outside linebacker. Led the team with 11 sacks. And was number two in the team with 15 quarterback hits. Now even even with the broken hand, he missed the, he missed the Seattle and Chicago games with the broken hand. Then comes back first week against Minnesota gets two sacks. Next week against Detroit gets one sack. Then he had another against Dallas. So in five games playing essentially one-handed, Perry had four sacks. Now where his tackling count dipped some during that span, but It'll be interesting to see what happens in free agency. He's obviously coming off a very good year, which the rest of the league knows. He's also coming off an injury, which the rest of the league knows. So there's no secrets there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get into somebody here later where his value might be more in Green Bay than elsewhere. But Nick Perry should be coveted. But when you look at the injury history, it'll be interesting to see just how coveted Perry is in free agency. But if you're the Packers... You've got to sign Nick Perry, don't you? I realize he's got the injury history. I totally get that. But, you know, like I mentioned a minute ago, Peppers is a free agent. Dayton Jones is a free agent. Clay Matthews looks like a diminishing player. I mean, you can't lose everybody. As much as you want to start this defense from scratch, you, you can't lose everybody. So I, I would think Perry has to be at or near the top of Green Bay's offseason to-do list. Another interesting one, Julius Peppers. First of all, this it starts with Peppers. Does Peppers want to play again? Okay, so let's just say he does want to play again. I asked him after the game. He said he didn't know. Um, some TV guy asked him before after the game what his timeline was, and Peppers said that he would let him know. I don't think he's going to let him know. I, I, I'm guessing that, that uh, TV guy is probably aware of that. Peppers is not going to let him know. So, Peppers just turned 37 about a week ago. The guy is good. Not every down good, but it's seven and a half sacks and was second, or it was fifth in the team with 12 quarterback hits, second among the outside linebackers with 30 tackles. So, let's just say Peppers wants to come back. What do you do if you're Green Bay? He's clearly not an every down player anymore. 
He probably played too much at times this year. But, if you include a playoff game, eight and a half sacks. That's pretty good. I don't know. I know you have, at some point you've got to move on, but eight and a half sucks. Eight and eight and a half sucks. <laughs> eight and a half sacks. It's hard to make up. So it's, that's going to be a very interesting thing. Does, does Green Bay want him back? Or does Pepper say, you know what? Maybe I need to look around a little bit. I've got a chance at the Super Bowl in Green Bay, but we've fallen short in my three years here. Heck, who knows? Maybe New England would want him, just to throw out a random name. And maybe Peppers would think that's a better opportunity. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Of course, starting with Peppers' decision, whether he's going to play at all. And for a guy who's never hurt and still makes plays, I mean, he can disappear for long stretches. I mean, look at the Minnesota and Detroit games. Week 16 and 17, a total of one tackle. One tackle, no sacks, no interceptions, no passes defensed, nothing. But then he comes back against the Giants, one sack, two passes defensed. So he's uh, a valuable player. Even at his age. Dayton Jones, another interesting one. What do the Packers do with Dayton Jones? As a first-round pick in 2013, he has been underwhelming. Obviously, he completely bombed at the, on the defensive line. He's been pretty decent at outside linebacker, I would say. Looking at his final stats here for Jones, tied Peppers with 30 tackles. One sack. Okay, he had one sack. But, gigantic asterisk here. According to the coach's count, Dayton Jones led the team with 16 quarterback hits. So there's value there, and there's value with him against the run because he's so big and strong that he's awfully hard to block. Especially, I mean, if there's a tight end on him, forget about it. And I thought he had a big role in Green Bay's run defense being so good, especially early in the year. Awfully hard to block, and he's getting these guys... Got a relatively decent feel for the game for a guy who's played defensive line his whole career. I'd be inclined to bring him back on, on a Nick Perry-style contract. You know, one year, let's just see what you're doing. I, I would think if you're Dayton, maybe you'd be okay with a you know a, a one-year contract as well. With that said, in four seasons, the guy's got nine sacks. That's not good for a guy who, God, I remember talking, I remember talking to him on draft night. During our uh, on, on the conference call, we get with the, with the player, and he's talking about uh, he used to love watching Reggie White. He wants to be the next Reggie White. He wants to dominate like Reggie White. They all sounded great. We all fed, we all ate that up. By the way, we all we all wrote that. He's got nine sacks. Reggie had nine sacks at basically every season of his career. <laughs> so he's been underwhelming, but the guy does have a role in a niche. And again, you can't let everybody go. I mean, if, if you maybe maybe move on from Peppers and, and you keep Perry and Jones, you know, but you got you got to keep some of these guys for as bad as the defense is. You got to keep some of the guys. So again, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, I don't think, unlike Perry, who I think will be in demand, I don't I don't think Dayton Jones is going to be in, in much of a demand. It'll be interesting too. You know, what if a four three scheme team comes to knocking? Would he want to play defensive end again? You know, he's, he, he's always said he likes playing outside linebacker, but 
you know, you, you get to talk to players for long enough, and you know they, they've got the PC answer. Of course, of course, he's not going to say, "Ah, I don't like this. I'd rather play outside. I'd rather play defensive end in a four-three scheme." Or so, he, of course, he never said that. But you wonder for a guy who's been underwhelming through four years, what do you see that as, as a possible new lease on life? So that'll be interesting. In the fourth of the un, uh, unrestricted free agents, defensive back, defensive back Micah Hyde. Remember, early in the year, I thought he was playing too much. wasn't playing well. And then came the last six games, three regular season, three playoffs, where Hyde intercepted, excuse me, the last seven games, four regular season, three playoffs, where Hyde intercepted four passes. So, he's a hell of a player. I mean, there's nurse. Look, he's got some warts. I mean, I remember sitting on, on this, sitting, you don't sit on the sideline, standing on the sideline at training camp. Um, this it was this year. And one of the Packers' personal guys, I'm not going to say who it is, uh, said, I don't think they're supposed to talk to us. Comes up and talks to a few of us. Who is the most underrated guy on our team? And I said, Micah Hyde. And he said, you're right. So I, th- I thought that was indicative of, of what the personnel guys think of him. And look, you love a guy who can play safety, he can play in the slot, he can return punts, in a pinch he can play corner, you don't want him to, but he can. He does all these things. I mean, he's unbelievably smart. You, you talk to, I mean, look, if, if you listen to Micah Hyde on, you know, the Packers.com interviews or whatever, he's very clearly a very smart guy, and that's what allows him to succeed in all that. I mean, he doesn't need a million reps at all these positions. He just give him some reps, give him some film work, and he's fine. Guys like that are worth their weight in gold. Now, that said, guys who intercept four passes in some of the games and are versatile will get north in free agency. Again, Green Bay's secondary is just horrendous. And I shouldn't say secondary, right? And I keep saying secondary is horrendous. The corners, the guys who cover guys are horrendous because Burnett and Clinton Dix are not horrendous. So I want to make that point. The safeties are not horrendous. The corners are horrendous. And I'll include Micah Hyde as a corner for this conversation. If you are horrendous at a position group, do you want to get rid of your most productive guy? And Hyde is your most productive guy. And again, I know he's got some flaws. He's not fast. He's not big. And that's why he went late in that draft because, you know, all the scouts I talked to, is, I like the guy, but it's always, well, he's not really big enough to play safety. He's not fast enough to play corner. Well, he's done all those things pretty well. I would think the Packers would want him back. Right? I mean, he's a playoff captain. He does all these things well. Part of me wonders if Micah Hyde's value is more in Green Bay than it is elsewhere. Kind of like, like it had been with John Kuhn for all those years. We figured Kuhn was going to come back because Kuhn's value in Green Bay was higher than it would be anyplace else. And I wonder if maybe it'll be the, that'll be the case with Green Bay where, where the personal guys from other teams will see Hyde and see, the, see some of the coverage deficiencies. And say, yeah, I don't know. But for Green Bay, they're gonna they're gonna know his strengths, know his weaknesses, and see that his strengths outweigh the weaknesses. So I and I would think Green Bay'd want him back. I think Green Bay would take him back. But we'll see. I mean, it only takes one team to see. Boy, look at that guy. He does all these things. Let's, you know, give him four years and you know twenty four million dollars. And Green Bay will say, Holy expletive and say, Thanks, Mike, we'll take the uh Fourth round compensatory draft pick we'll get for you next offseason. So interesting 
interesting conversations, I think, with all four of those defensive guys. And restricted guys, G. Ron Elliott, who did nothing this year on defense. I thought that was a disappointment, the way he didn't show up on defense. But he also led the team in special teams tackles, too. Don't overlook that. He had 13. 13 tackles on special teams, and that's with him being inactive for three games. So, you know, again, a great community guy. He's not going to cost any money. I would assume the Packers do not tender him. Uh, I forgot to look this up before the podcast. Restricted free agent tenders, either you're really good guys, you give a second-round tender or a first-round tender, and the second-round tender is worth a lot of money. And, again, I should have looked this up. In fact, I will hold on. I'm going to hit pause on my recorder. All right, now, these are last year's numbers because they haven't been set. The uh, the basic tender, or there's the is also called the right of first refusal tender, is one point was one point six seven one million dollars last year. So, let's say you gave J. Ron Elliott that tender, and he would play for that much money. If a team wanted him, they would have to offer him that, and then Green Bay would have a chance to match, or Green Bay or another team would have to offer him a contract, and Green Bay would have a chance to match it. And if Green Bay didn't match that offer, then he would get no compensation. Now, if it was a say a sixth round draft pick with a restricted free agent tender, then you'd get that as you'd get a sixth round pick as compensation. The other tenders are the second round tender, which is two point five five or again was two point five five three million. So that if you were to re- uh, tender say J. Ron Elliott that much, he would receive that much money that year, and if a team would offer him a contract and you wouldn't uh, match it, then you'd get a second-round draft pick as compensation. And then the first-round tender is $3.635 million, kind of the same deal where you get a first-round pick in return. Obviously, Elliott and uh, the other guy here is who I'm drawing a blank on at the second because I've lost that part of the notes. Oh, uh, inside linebacker Jordan Tripp. They're not going to get those tenders. The low tender, again, is $1.671 million. I highly doubt Green Bay would tender those guys that much either. But, so you don't tender them. That makes them free agents. I certainly think, would think they want Elliott back, again, for the special teams and the community stuff. He's a great locker room guy. I don't know about Tripp. I mean, obviously, the guy, the guy didn't play. He had one tackle on special teams after Green Bay picked him up. But Green Bay could use some help at inside linebacker. I think, you know, Ryan... Had a pretty decent year. Blake Martinez faded. Um, Joe Thomas showed you something. You know, I, I, I bring the guy back and and see what you can get out of him. I have to, you know, coach him up for the offseason and, and see what happens there. So again, that's I, that's what I would do. I'd bring those guys back, but that's just me. I don't I don't uh, I don't control the purse strings. And Green Bay does have two other free agents. One is long snapper Brett Good, and the other is punter Jake Shum. Good is unrestricted. He's getting up there in years, but I, there's little reason to believe that Green Bay wouldn't want the guy back, right? I mean, he's, he's been pretty gosh darn solid, even though he is he turned 32 in November. And the other would be, um, again, punter Jacob Shum. He, was, he is an exclusive rights free agent, which basically means he's not really a free agent at all. If, if Green Bay wants him back, then he comes back. doesn't really have a say in it. And, of course, Green Bay's going to want the guy back. He played, He punted really, really well. Uh, and ended up finishing the year with a net average of 39.1, about the middle of the pack. And really, when you're punting on Green Bay, 
you're going to be a middle-of-the-pack punter. That's about the, end of the extent of it. But, you know, as I point out in probably the last four weeks of this podcast, Jacob Shubb ranked number one in the NFL in opponent return percentage, which means uh, teams did not return his punts. And when you're not returning punch, you're not giving up field position. So I think that's a huge, huge stat in his favor. And he won the net, the net punting battle in six of his last nine games. So while his stats might not be great, a lot of that's the byproduct of where he's punting. And you see that because and you see that in the fact that he beat the opposing punter six out of the last nine games. So I would think Green Bay would want him back. They'd be fools not to. Maybe you bring in a challenger. But I think I certainly think Shump comes back, and he might be the same with Good too. Maybe assign someone to challenge the guy. But Good was pretty darn solid. Again, he didn't have any tackles. Well, I think he might have had one in the in the Giants game. He did. Yep, I got sorry. Yep, he had one in the Giants game. So his only tackle of the year in special teams came in the playoff game, and that's the concern there with Good. Is you know he's getting older, and the athleticism is going, and I mean you're not you're not paying your long snapper to make tackles. But it's nice if he can get one. So that is the free agent summary. All 14 guys. Remember, we did yesterday's free agents. Or we did the offense yesterday. If you missed that, check out that podcast. It was Eddie Lacy and Kristen Michael at running back. Don Barclay, J.C. Treader in the backfield. Or in the backfield. On the offensive line. Tight end, Jared Cook. And last but not least, and I say last but not least, only to cover my butt because I forgot his name for a minute. And that would be guard T.J. Lang. Only the most important player on the team in free agency. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Once again, you can check me out over at PackerReport.com. We'll have full coverage from Mike McCarthy's season-ending press conference. Again, thanks for listening. Have a great day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash list. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.